Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of James. The New Testament book of James and James in chapter number one. The New Testament book of James and James in chapter one. If you are a little bit unfamiliar with this portion of scripture, you could find the book of James by turning to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and turn to your left. Revelation, Jude, or yeah, Revelation, Jude, 3rd John, 2nd John, 1st John, 2nd Peter, 1st Peter, and then we come to the book of James. So James towards the end of the Bible, and we're walking through a Sunday school series going through the book of James. Remember the book of James is the book of wisdom for the New Testament Christian. We have entitled this series of living like a first century Christian, that we want to have a revolution back to the Bible and become biblical Christians once again. And the book of James explains what does that mean? What does it mean to be a first century Christian? What does it mean to live and act like a biblical Christian? We know that today there is a lot of things listed as Christianity that do not line up with the Bible. There's a lot of behaviors and a lot of attitudes that call themselves Christians that do not line up with the Bible. We want to be a biblically based people and we want to be a people that can line up with what the word of God has to say. So with that in mind, notice with me in the book of James in chapter number one. The book of James chapter 1, and notice with me in verse number 26. The book of James chapter 1 and verse 26, the Bible says this, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his own tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of James in chapter number one? The book of James chapter one, and notice with me in verse 26, notice this phrase, seem to be religious. Seem to be religious. We know that there is a true connection with who we are on the inside to what shows out on the outside. And that we have to have the inside right with God in order for it to show on the outside. We know that today there is a lot of people who seem to be religious. Now let's define our terms. There's a difference between religion and a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. To have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that we have to come to him to be our savior. What does that mean? Well, it recognizes that first of all, that we're all sinners, every single one of us. There is none righteous, no, not one. Because of our sin, that we've offended a holy, righteous God, and we deserve judgment. We deserve that awful place called hell. 
However, we realize that Jesus died for us and we came to the place where we personally accepted Jesus as our Savior. When we do that, we can now have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That it needs to be a present possession. That God, who is... (laughs) who lives within us through the Holy Spirit when we come to know Christ as our Savior will change us from the inside out. Now, there's a lot of people who focus on being religious. What is religion? Religion is man's rules of what he thinks he has to do in order to get close to God. And with religion, there's a lot of people who seem religious, but they're nothing like what the Bible has to say about being a Christian. We know that anyone can make themselves look like they dress right and carry the Bible a certain way and say certain things and they can seem religious and yet they could be so far away from God. And so here we have a warning here that if we're going to be as a first century Christian, we don't need to seem religious. We need to have a true honest walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ actually warns of this several times. In fact, hold your finger here. Let's just see what the Bible has to say. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the gospel record of Matthew. Now we're coming back to James, so don't lose your place. I just want to show you that this is something, a concept that is repeated throughout the New Testament, throughout the Bible especially the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus says it, then it is very important. The book of Matthew, the gospel record of Matthew chapter 7. The gospel record of Matthew chapter 7. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in Matthew chapter 7. And start out verse 15. Matthew 7 and verse 15. Beware of false prophets, which come into you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not good forth is hewed down and cast in the fire. Whereof by their fruits ye shall know them. Notice Jesus goes on a little bit further in verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many, notice that word many, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and had thy name cast out devils and in thy name we have done many wonderful works? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew thee. Notice that word never. Never knew thee. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Here is an example of some people who seem religious. They seem religious. They say religious things. They go to religious places. They have some vernacular. But here they say, when they are going, they die. They go to face God. And God says, I don't know who you are. And they go, but Lord, Lord, we've done all these wonderful things. I did this and I did this and I said this and, and I tried to do a lot of things. I said I was a Christian. And Jesus will look at them and say, I 
never knew thee. That word never is important. He didn't say, well, I used to know you, but you know, I don't know you anymore. He says, I never knew you. You were never one of mine. Now that's a big waking up thing. There are many people who will seem religious who will not go to heaven. That's a frightening thing. So when it's talking about there are many that seem to be religious, this is a very big warning and a wake-up call that Jesus deals with. He says, listen, you will know them by their fruits. You'll be able to see them. There are some things to be able to detect. People who seem religious. You understand, this is something that we have to wrap down. There are many people who seem to be religious who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Now again, what does it mean to know Jesus as your personal Savior? It's recognizing that first of all, you are a sinner. Every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says very clearly, for the wages of sin is death. That because of our sin, we owe God a great price. We deserve to be separated from him. We deserve to go to an awful place called hell. But the Bible says that Jesus gave us a way of escape. That Jesus paid our wage and our payment on our behalf. He did it for us because he loved us and he died on the cross of Calvary. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. They buried him and put him on a borrowed tomb for three days. He laid there on the third day he rose again. When he rose again it proved that he was God and it proved that God was satisfied with the payment that was made. Now all that is left is that we must personally ask Jesus to be our savior. Now this is an event the Bible says later uh, in John chapter 3, verily, verily, ye must be born again. Well, Jesus is talking to a man called Nicodemus in that chapter. And Nicodemus scratched his old silver head and said, I don't get it. It's not like I could crawl into mom again. What do you mean this born again? What does that mean? And Jesus explained that we have to have two births. We have to have a physical birth and we have to have a spiritual birth. And just as real as my physical birth was, my spiritual birth is just as real. For example, if my daughter came to me and said, dad, was I born? I would laugh at her. Say, of course you were. But dad, how do you know I was born? I was there. I could give her a time and a place and explain the events that happened when she was born. Does that make sense? The same thing is true about being born again. I don't just slowly become born again. I don't just slowly become a better person. There was a time and event where I came face to face with my need of a savior and I accepted him as savior and I should be able to explain the events. We encourage people to have a date or a time where you came to know Christ, but even if you don't have an exact date and exact time, you should be able to explain the event that happened that led you to accepting Jesus Christ as your savior. There should be something about that event. If you don't, may I say that you perhaps are seem to be religious? You need to have a time where you were born again. It is a real event. There are many people who say, well, I went to church. Jesus said, I never knew you. But, but, but Jesus, I prophesied, I preached in your name. I tried to say Jesus whenever I got a chance. I don't mind preaching to people. Jesus said, I didn't know you. I never knew you. 
But Jesus, I did miracles. I spoke in tongues. I did that. Jesus said, I never knew you. There's going to be a lot of people who seem to be religious, who never had a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a concerning thing. Do you know there are people who are part of a Catholic church who are not going to heaven? Do you know that there are people in a Baptist church who will not go to heaven? Because they seem religious, but they've never had a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Why am I making a big deal out of this? Because this is a big deal. I think the worst thing that could ever happen to someone is for someone to sit under preaching like this and never personally accept Jesus as their savior. That they're satisfied with seeming to be religious. And then when they stand before God, God looks at them and says, I never knew you. I never knew you. You never came to me to be savior. You never been born again. Now with that in mind, turn back to the book of James. As you can see, this is a pretty serious setting here. The idea that some seem to be religious screams hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy comes from the word that we get actor. That they're pretending to be something they're not. They seem to be religious. They know how to play the part of someone who seems to be religious, but they're missing. Many of you have heard me say that the world is tired of hearing about Christians. They want to meet one. Why do we say that? Because there's a lot of people who seem to be religious. But people don't want someone who's playing a part. They don't want, the world doesn't want to see someone who knows how to say the right things at the right time, who lives horribly. They want to see someone who lives as a Christian on Monday, on Tuesday. They want to see someone who's consistently living as if they know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and has made a decision to follow after Him. So with that, Is there any test? Is there anything that we can do to see if we seem to be religious or are we genuinely following after the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I'm thankful that the book of James gives us three tests. Notice, if you don't mind, the book of James chapter number one, and we first come to the speech test. The speech test. Notice with me, if you don't mind, James chapter one and verse 25. 26. James chapter 1 verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. That means empty. The very first test is a speech test. The Lord Jesus Christ makes reference of this, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What inside of you will eventually come out? It is amazing to hear people who call themselves to be Christian and let them just start talking and you realize how far away from the Lord they really are. People who are seeming to be religious, they will be exposed very quickly just by them talking. This speech test You could say religious words and 
not really follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. You could try to seem like a good person and not follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this tongue is such a big deal. It is mentioned throughout the Bible, but so much so that almost an entire chapter of the book of James is devoted to the tongue. We'll talk about that in a later lesson, but let's give a quick preview. Notice with me in James chapter three, James chapter three, and let's just see a little bit about this tongue. uh, James chapter three, notice with me in verse number two. James 3, 2, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and also is able to bridle the whole body. Now notice we have this word bridle. It was used in verse 20, James 1, 26. Once again, we have it in verse number two of James chapter three. Notice verse three now, James 3, 3. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us and we may turn their whole body. Behold also ships, which though they be great are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm whatsoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Now here it talks about what do we have to do if you are someone who seemeth to be religious and someone who's a truly a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the first test is, is our speech test. Have you learned to bridle your tongue? Now, I don't know if you have a horse background. I do. Uh, We use a bridle. You put it inside of a horse's mouth and then you use it to steer. You use it to help guide unless you're a true cowboy and you use your knees. But you guys understand what I'm what I'm talking about, you use it. That little bridle can guide that huge animal. Horse is a big animal if you've never been next to it. They're huge. And with that bridle, you could guide and direct. Do you know with your tongue, you guide and direct your own life? In fact, you know how much trouble we find ourselves in normally because of our tongue? They have old passages of the Bible dedicated to that. That so much trouble we find ourselves in is because we talk ourselves into trouble. You open up mouth and now you've, Now you're messed up. Or if you're in the habit of telling lies, now you got to keep up with which lie. And one lie breeds another lie, breeds another lie, breeds another lie. Our tongue can cause a lot of havoc. But someone who's learned to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ won't seem to be religious with their tongue. They've learned how to bridle their tongue. How to put it under control. How to put it under authority, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now again, chapter three is going to go on speaking about the tongue and how important the tongue is. We'll get that to a different lesson, but perhaps we could go see what the Lord Jesus Christ has to say about this. Hold your finger in James and turn with me if you don't mind to Matthew chapter 12. Again, I'm just trying to put an emphasis where the Lord places the emphasis. The idea of the tongue is used throughout the scriptures but it's important to see what Jesus has to say about the subject. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And in verse number 33, let's start there. Matthew 12 and verse 33. Now we left off in chapter number seven, Matthew seven, talking about that people are being known by their fruits. 
Notice this concept is brought up again in verse 33, Matthew 12, 33. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. Oh, generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Good men out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account in the day of judgment. You understand this is a big deal. Jesus said that we're going to stand before him and give an account for every word we've ever said. The word idle carries the idea uh, of the words that we say without even thinking about it. You understand your words are very important and they need to be brought under submission. They need to be bridled, put under control. And if we're following after the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand that our words matter and they're brought under control. Someone whose mouth and tongue is not under control fails the speech test. And that it's evidence that with the abundance of the heart, they're not following after the Lord Jesus Christ the way that they should. This is a big deal. Now, again, if we're going to spot hypocrisy, it starts with ourselves. We're not looking at everyone else now. We're trying to look in our own selves. Is my tongue bridled? Is it under control? Is it submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ? The first test we have is this speech test. Again, there's a lot of people in churches that you let them start talking and they will reveal themselves that they're not truly following after the Lord Jesus Christ. They seem to be religious. As we turn back to James chapter number one, we find another test as you're turning there. The prayer that we should have, speaking of our tongue, the Bible says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto thee. That should be the submission that our tongues have with the speech test. Let the meditations of my heart and the <clears throat> words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Is the words you say acceptable to God? James chapter one, if you don't mind, we start off with a speech test. We're dealing with the idea that there are some that seemeth to be religious. We're searching out hypocrisy in our own lives. We're not trying to examine anybody else's life. We're looking at our own lives. Is your tongue, first of all, bridled, submitted under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ? The second one is the service test. The service test. Notice with me in verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. All right, so we're going to get a definition. What is this pure religion? Not one that seemeth to be religion, but a pure relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Pure religion and undefiled before God is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. We start off that we can have the right talk, but not have the right walk. Here it's talking about that all believers are to minister and encourage others. There are times when others truly need you. 
They need to hear of the love of God. They need someone to pray with them. They need someone to help them. Again, we've said often that it should be commonplace within a body of believers that someone is suffering. I mean, let's be honest. Not everyone who walked through these doors is having a good day or a good week. Now, we may all put smiles on our face and come in and people say, how you doing? And go, I'm fine. And it's not fine. And we've learned how to be good hypocrites. Now, I'm not saying that you should be whining and complaining when you walk the door. You understand that. But it should be so commonplace that people sense, my brother's got a burden. My sister's got a burden. Let me pray with them. You never know what a, a, a putting your hand over someone's shoulder and giving some words of encouragement can change their entire life. And it should be commonplace inside of a church that we bear one another's burdens. I'm not going to go through here, but an interesting study through the Bible, through the New Testament, is what the Bible says what we're supposed to do one to another. One, now, that's, you won't find that we're supposed to be mean one to another. But there's a whole list of things, so much so that I think I'm going to make this a series in 2036, of one to another. What the New Testament says that we as believers are supposed to do one toward another. We're supposed to pray one to another, bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to uh, pray for one another, uh, encourage one another, provoke one another unto good works. We have this phrase, uh, what we're supposed to do one to another all throughout the New Testament, what believers are supposed to do. This should be commonplace. There's a service test to encourage and help people. If we're truly following after the Lord Jesus Christ, then our devotion should be to others. Others, I say, not to ourselves. We are usually so self-centered, which is an evidence of a religion, one that seemeth religious. If we are truly following after the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're trying to serve others. What can I do to be a blessing to others? How can I help others? What can I do to encourage others to point to the Lord? What can I do to help ease their burdens? We should be looking how we could be a blessing to one another. It is a horrible time in a church when people come and we give our niceties, nod our heads, smile. How are you doing? Great, wonderful. And sit in our little bubbles and ignore everything else in the world and just concerned about ourselves. When people are struggling right next to us and we're missing it. People, if we need to have this service test that if we're following after the Lord Jesus Christ, we're gonna be looking for how can I serve someone else today? How can I encourage someone else today? What can I do to be a blessing to someone else today? That if we're saying going to church to serve the Lord, well, who have you served today? Who have you encouraged today? Who have you helped today? Who have you pointed up to the Lord today? Others, we have a service test. As you could tell, there's a lot of times that we ourselves seem it to be religious. And we're failing in these areas. We have a speech test that's listed we have a service test. Then we have a spot test. Notice with me in verse 27. James chapter 1 and verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and, here's the second thing, to keep himself 
unspotted from the world. To keep himself unspotted from the world. This idea of splot or blemish carries the idea of something that affects our Christian testimony for the Lord. That we have spots and blemishes that go upon us. Part of this is because Christians think that they're better than other people. We are not better than other people. We're different than other people. We're, we're not looking down our nose at anybody. We're different. Our goal is different. Our goal is to be following after God. As we follow after God, we will be different. We're not better than anyone else. But we need to be careful with what we do with the things in our life. That you could have a spot and blemish because we engage in certain things that we shouldn't engage in. One of the qualifications of a pastor is to be blameless. The word blameless carries a word picture of this without handholds. That means there's nothing that someone could grab a hold of me on and accuse me of. Does it make sense? Without handhold. Well, we should, as Christians, even if you're not set up to be the pastor, you should still live your life blameless or carrying yourself where people can't grab a hold of us without spot, without blemish, to have a pure testimony for God. Again, the world is tired of hearing about Christians. They want to meet one. So often the world will say, oh, my neighbor claims to be a Christian, but they don't act like one. Well, you know, I saw my Christian friend at the bar. Well, I saw my Christian friend at the ACDC concert. Those things don't work out. They don't match. Those are spot and blemishes. Those are things that, that uh, affect us. In fact, what is the Lord Jesus Christ attempting to do with us? Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Ephesians, chapter number five. Ephesians, chapter five. You guys are listening well. We're talking about the subject of some seeming to be religious. We spoke about that there are several tests. There's the spot test that we're talking about. There's the speech test. You know, some people can hurt people with their words. It's not how Christians should do. There's the service test. Are we serving others? With this spot test, notice what God wants to do with us. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, he is using the illustration of the home, husbands and wives, to illustrate the relationship the Lord Jesus Christ wants to have with his people, the church. Notice with me, if you don't mind, Hebrew. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Notice what he's trying to do now. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So by the way, how does he wash us clean? By the word. It's the word of God that changes us from the inside out. Verse 27, what's the purpose of him washing us by his word? That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, in the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, is a bunch of pictures. If you've never heard the message I preach on wedding pictures, I encourage you to go back and find that in our archives. But in here, there are living pictures, not still pictures, but living pictures. We know that for our wedding days, uh, for the wives, one of the most important things is to have that photo album. 
of that day, to have that historical event. Well, in here, you have picture after picture that are living pictures, pictures that are, are changing and moving and not just static. And in this picture here, you have the picture of the husband and the wife sitting together. And as he's sitting together because he's caring for her, as you watch this living picture, you watch as time goes on that she's getting younger and younger. Less wrinkles, less blemishes, more radiant because of the love that he is putting into her. Notice again what it says, verse 27, that he might present himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. Here's the spot test. That the Lord Jesus Christ is washing us by his word, changing us from the inside out, and that we become closer and closer to him over time because of what he is doing for us. That should be the test that we're doing. Are you living closer to the Lord Jesus Christ now than what you were a year ago? The answer should be yes. If not, you've been static. May I say that you're failing the spot test? Is he cleaning up your life more? Now remember, it's not the idea of you turning over a new leaf. It's he's changing you from the inside out. Things are different now. Something happened to me when I gave my life to him. The things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. Things are different now. Something happened to me when I gave my life to Jesus. The last tree to lose its leaves in the world is, um, is a tree that actually loses its leaf during the spring. And what happens is it loses its leaf as the new growth pushes out that old leaf and it falls off and it is replaced with new growth. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing with us. That is, he's changing us from the inside out. He is pushing those old things out of our life. And the things I enjoyed before, I no longer enjoy because he's changed me. It's not because I turned over a new leaf. It's not because um, I, um, I'm trying to do better. It's because I'm following after him and he's changing me from the inside out. The music I used to listen to, I don't enjoy anymore. The movies I used to watch, I don't like anymore. The things I used to do, I don't enjoy them anymore. And it's because God has changed me from the inside out. And that should be true of us. That The spot test is that as I'm following after the Lord Jesus Christ, as he's washing me through his word, that there are changes that are starting to be apparent. And I don't have to fake it. I don't have to put on a show. I don't have to pretend. God has changed me from the inside out and those are natural changes found within me. You see, this idea here is there are many people who say, yes, I'm a Christian, you see my Bible? Yes, I'm a Christian, I showed up to church. And they're not following after the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're following the Lord Jesus Christ, these things will naturally happen in your life. Your speech will change. You guys may have heard me use this illustration that in the Ulster Revival of 1859 in Ulster, uh, uh, Northern Ireland, what happened is that there was a revival that swept through. And as they swept through, uh, think people changed so completely, they had to teach the mules new vocabulary. 
because the, the farmers used to curse at the mules to get them to go. And now that the farmers were no longer cursing, the donkeys didn't know whether to go forward, backward, stop, whatever. They, they, there was just a new vocabulary that had to be taught. There's something that changes from the inside out. You see, this idea of pure religion is a following after the Lord Jesus Christ. And he makes a change within us. But there are many people who seem it to be religious, who, who are trying to act the part, but they're not being changed from the inside out. They're just changing on the outside and the inside is just as rotten, as far away from the Lord as it ever has been. This is what God wants. He doesn't want fake Christianity. He doesn't want fake religion. He doesn't want fake people. He wants people that have decided to follow after him and because they followed after him, he has changed them from the inside out and it now is natural changes, not fake changes. Some that seemeth to be religious. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.